Now, if you've been counting, you know that we are on the fourth commandment this morning. And so we're going to read part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And then we're going to flip over to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, from part of Genesis chapter 1. So Exodus chapter 20 from verse 8. And you'll find that on page 78. Exodus chapter 20 from verse 8. The Sabbath commandment, of course, is the one with a a longer explanation on it. So we'll read verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. And then we'll flick over to Genesis chapter 1 from uh, verse 26. So that's page 4. Exodus chapter 20 from verse 8. This is God's word. God says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now let's turn over to Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26, page 4 of the Pew Bibles. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating all that he had made, all that he had done. Amen. We trust that God will bless to us his word. Well, this morning as we open God's word, please do turn it open with me to the book of Genesis. It'll be helpful for you if you keep it open at that little passage that Nigel read for us a little while earlier. So as we come to the fourth commandment, here's our little title for this morning. It's this, a funeral in Egypt or a feast in Eden? Is that how we treat a Sunday? Is it a funeral in Egypt or a feast in Eden? And as we arrive at the fourth commandment this morning, perhaps some people here were thinking ahead and wondering, I wonder will we go along to church this morning 
And whoever's preaching, John or Nigel or Pete or whoever it would be, would they tell us a list of things that we, we shouldn't really be at, all the things that we can't really do? Or maybe they'll give us a list of all the things that we can't really do, a little PowerPoint display of the do's and the don'ts of what we can do on a Sunday, that you can walk, but you can't walk above three miles an hour, that you can wash six saucepans, but you can't wash seven, that you can play board games, but you're not allowed to play games outside. Well, this morning, if you are coming along and expecting me to do that for you, that's not what's going to happen, okay? Uh, We're going to look at this slightly differently, and hopefully we're going to see the beauty of a Sunday just as we have sang these beautiful words, come and behold, come and see a holy God. That's what a Sunday is all about. That's what our Sabbath, our Lord's Day is all about. Now, as we start to peel back the layers on a Sunday and and all the do's and all the don'ts, we we have to sort of set the context here a little. Because if you are uh, over 30 slash 40 here this morning uh, at church, Sundays are probably something that look very different for you than what they look like for someone who's under that age. So a typical Sunday would, uh, uh, well, a Saturday night it would have started. You, you get the shoes polished, you get them ready and prepared, you get the dinner ready and prepared, and then you come along to church. Well, for someone under 30, it's very different. What, what does a Sunday look like? Well, a Sunday probably means that you should go to church once if it suits you. It's maybe a day for sport, a day to catch up with friends before you hit the week again. So we have a great divide here already in our congregation about what our expectations are of a Sunday. And then the world around us is so confused about what a Sunday should really be for and what it should look like. And in the middle of this, we have loads of questions. Is it important or is it just a religious imposition upon us? What can I do and what can I not do? Where should I go and where should I not go? And what really is the point of it all? Well, the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, is mentioned more than any other in the Old Testament, so it is really important. So here's a little line that hopefully will help us. The Sabbath day should be a day of rest. We, we know that, right? It should be a day of rest from the world. Why? So that we can enjoy God. So it's a day of rest, but it's a day of rest with a purpose, so we can enjoy God. And this morning, we want to rediscover the Sabbath, the the beauty of the Sabbath, the depth of the Sabbath, the the great joy and refreshment that we have in the Sabbath. Just as Shelley was explaining to the the little ones earlier, we need refuel. We need to see God. We need to rest, but we need to have our vision lifted upon Him. So, as we we step our way through this this morning, uh, here's, here's the logic that we're going to go with. God gives us a picture first of the Sabbath. He gives us this picture in the Garden of Eden that we're going to look at, and then from that picture, we see a promise. And then God takes the picture and the promise, and He sets a pattern in the place in Exodus that we should remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. So, picture, promise, pattern, and then the question for us that we'll finish thinking about is, is it a priority for us? Is the Sabbath a priority. So the context first. The context first here of what's going on in Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, whenever they receive the Ten Commandments, what has been happening? The, the children of Israel have been working for 400 years. We get it tough if we work for two weeks without a break. The children of Israel, 400 years without a day off. 400 years they have been in captivity in Egypt. 
400 years of working every day, 400 years of burden and oppression, and then Moses comes down the mountain with these 10 words of life, and as he's reading them to the people, they, they hear the first, the second, and the third, and then he arrives at the fourth, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You shall rest. This Hebrew word is to rest, to cease from work. Can you imagine their reaction? Can you imagine how the children of Israel felt? We're going to have a rest from work. 400 years, and now we're going to get a day off a week. Imagine it. What would they have done? This will help us a little bit. What would they have done on their day off? Children of Israel wouldn't have sat in their tent and looked at, looked at the, the canvas of their tent and did nothing. What would they have done? They would have told stories of God how good he has been, how he has delivered them and rescued them, how he has provided for them. They'd have met in their families, wouldn't they? They'd all got round each other's tents, sitting with each other, talking and laughing and enjoying time with one another, meeting with friends, rejoicing. Not a funeral, but a great feast, a great celebration. So here we come to our first point. God gives us the picture of the Sabbath rest in the garden. So here in Genesis, what we have read for us, we see this picture. Now, remember this. Whenever we read the Bible, whenever we read Genesis, it's like, it's like a little seed. And this little seed in, in Genesis 1 and 2, it's like a little seed that's encased. And, and this little seed here grows. So it contains the DNA for everything that's going to happen, just like a little seed does. And as that seed is planted, it, it begins to shoot and brings forth the, the flower and the plant. Everything that's held, though, everything that's held about that flower, that flower and that plant is in the little seed. All the DNA is right there. And so, too, for us, in the first couple of uh, chapters here of Genesis, it's like this little seed for everything that's going to happen in the rest of Scripture. And here, God develops from this little seed a, a picture of what it means to have rest. Look, look at it in, with me in verse, chapter 2 and verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The seven seven days of creation, the six previous days are created within a time and a space. God creates time and he creates space. And the great drama of, of redemption unfolds itself in a time and space continuum. So after darkness, light. After evening, morning. After death, resurrection. Jesus died in the morning or died in the evening and rose again in the morning. So there's a rhythm. There's a great rhythm. But here in verse 2 of chapter 2, do you notice the, the, the lack of time markers? There's no evening. There's no morning. Why? Because it has an eternal undertone. At this moment, everything is still perfect, and it is good. So God enters into rest so that Adam and Eve would enter into rest, an eternal rest, but we know it's going to be broken by sin. So here God, on this day of rest, he does two things to this day, different from every other day. He blesses this day. Now, what else does he bless in the creation narrative? He blesses 
humanity, that they would multiply. He, he blesses the, the birds and the, and the fish and the animals, that they would multiply so that they're going to do something. But what, what's this day all about? He blesses a day. So what does he want this day to do for us? Well, he wants this day to be a blessing for us, a time of refreshment and enjoyment. And then he sanctifies it. He makes this day holy. So the Sabbath carries weight. It is different from every other day. It was the goal of the creation week. It was the climax of the whole of creation. Here is this great crescendo as they approach the seventh day. And God rests. So what does it mean for God to rest? Did God put his feet up? Did he take a little nap in the garden? What was going on? What was going on whenever God rested? Well, it's a positive, positive rest. He didn't nap. He didn't just sit in his throne, but it's that God would take a stroll through creation, that he would enjoy it, that he would enjoy his finished work, that he would enjoy the nature, and he would enjoy the birds and the fish. God ceased from all of his other activities so that he could enjoy this. It's not a passive retirement. It's an active enjoyment. So he gives us this picture, a picture of perfection, a picture of beauty. And at this moment in Genesis, it's not, it's not a command to keep. Adam didn't have to keep this. It's not until Exodus chapter 20. So it's this picture. One commentator says this, the Sabbath this picture, it's not a means of advancing religion, but it points forward to the meaning of life and history. What does he mean by that? Here we have rest in the garden, and that, that gets broken because of sin, and it breaks, and it all breaks down, but in Exodus then it comes again, and God sets a pattern, and then at Revelation chapter 21, we talk and hear about this great rest again, the two bookends in, in the midst of this great drama of redemption, pointing forward to what is going to be and what will come, that Christ will come after the fall, this promise that Christ will come, that he will give us rest, that he will defeat sin and death. So it's not primarily a command, the Sabbath is not primarily a command, but it is a picture, a symbol of perfection. It's an indicative before it is an imperative. It's a picture before it's a pattern. So within this picture, we also have this promise, right? Within this promise, we are told that one day we will be with God, that we will dwell with him forever. Because this rest is broken as, as humanity falls, as Adam and Eve fall, this perfect situation is broken forever. This moment of rest, of enjoyment, of fellowship with God, but there's a promise. God brings it into place in Genesis. He points to it again in Exodus. We look forward to the one who will bring rest throughout the rest of Scripture. And then Jesus comes. Listen to his words in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest rest. The state of eternal perfection where we will be with our God and he will be with us forever. This promise that we will have rest, the goal of history, is an eternal Sabbath 
a picture of eternal life that will last forever. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9, it tells us this, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And then the words of Revelation 21 in verse 3, now the dwelling place of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old things have passed away. A picture of what it's like. Beautiful, beautiful peace with God. Enjoyment with him. A promise that in this book, in the bookends of redemption, that we will go there. That is where we are heading for. If we are weak and we are heavy laden, we have to cry unto Christ today that he will hold us, that he'll keep this for us. And then he brings us to this pattern, a pattern that will sustain us between now and then as we look forward to this promise. The Sabbath is rest. It is enjoyment. It is to be enjoyed for us, but we are forgetful people. We either get lost along the way or we forget. We forget in life all the time. We forget things. We forget important things. We forget little things. And God understands this, that in our humanity, we forget stuff all the time. So what does he do for us? Well, he comes in Exodus, and the first words of the commandment in Exodus are, remember. So he's pointing all the way back to Genesis, remember. Remember this day. Remember it. Why? Because you're going to be a forgetful people and you need this. You need the Sabbath week after week. Why? Because it's going to give you and point you to this beautiful place that you're going. So that as we gather here on a Sunday, as Shelley was explaining to the little ones, it's a little foretaste of what is to come. The beautiful gathering of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation that the church joins together the church here, militant, joins with the church triumphant in glory, and we sing God's praise. We come and behold our God. So we set this pattern in the place so that we are filled week after week, that we get this little foretaste of where we're going, this promise, this picture of eternal rest, of enjoying God forever. Why? So that we can have great delight in him so we can love him just that little bit more. So God's purpose for us on the Sabbath is that we experience the highest and the most intense joy that can be experienced on this earth, and that is to take delight in the Lord. And yet, what does God find in us again and again is that we as professing Christians prefer little human-sized pleasures from things that have no relation to God. On a Sabbath, on the Lord's day, on His day, we would rather watch rugby than worship. We would rather rest on the pillow than rejoice in praise. We'd rather watch the next episode in the series than exalt the Savior. We'd rather go for a walk than come to gaze in wonder at our triune God. 
and it's inevitable for us. If, if, our hearts, if our hearts are set more on the pleasures of this world than enjoying God, then the Sabbath will be a burden to us, and it will not be a blessing. John says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. The measure of our love this morning for God is the measure of joy that we get on focusing on Him on this, His day of rest. How much joy do we get from our Heavenly Father, from the Son, from the Spirit, as we reflect back Sunday after Sunday, as we come into this place and we know that you're going to hear something about Jesus Christ, that you're going to see him again, that you're going to pray to our Father, that you're going to be empowered by the Spirit. As we look back and look at where he has brought us from, just, just as the children of Israel would have done, where he has brought us out of captivity, out of, out of the chains of Egypt, and brought us into rest, provided for us as he provided for the children of Israel their manna day after day, and then twice before the Sabbath, two portions. Where do we get our delight from as we come here on a Sunday? Is our burdens lifted? Are we weak and heavy laden? And then as we come here, are we lifted because of Christ? Do we see him again? It's the gospel minister to us again. A picture, a promise, a pattern, and then lastly, a priority. Is the Sabbath for us a priority or is it a problem? As we come to think of the Sabbath and how we can honor God and live for him here, we want, we want to listen to what some old catechisms have taught us, and they're combined into the New City Catechism, and they say this about the Sabbath as we make it a priority. The Sabbath day we spend in public and private worship of God, rest from routine and employment. We serve the Lord and others and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. You see, Jesus gives us a picture, a promise, a pattern, but will we make it our priority? Will the goal of our week be this day, the first day of the week, the starting point of our week? Will we want to come to worship? Will we understand that this is rest, it's a ceasing from work, but it's also enjoying God and what He has made? So we focus on rest and enjoyment. Think about Adam just for a moment. Adam would have enjoyed the good things of this perfect world. The first Sabbath, he would have enjoyed eating and drinking he would have enjoyed the outdoors. He would have enjoyed his wife on the Sabbath. Think about it. It was the first day of their honeymoon. For Adam and for Eve, the Sabbath was a very enjoyable day. Therefore, the Sabbath, the Lord's day, is not a day full of shall nots, but instead it's an enjoyable day to eat and to drink, to have relationships and friendships just like the children of Israel, whenever they had their first day off for over 400 years, Leviticus 23 places the Sabbath amongst the feasts. 
it was a party. So our priority here today is how can we make this day a special day? A day like no other. A little foretaste of what is to come. Johnny Gibson, a preacher, he's over in America. He's from here originally. He explains the Sabbath to his little boy like this. He says, look, son, the Sabbath's a different day. So whenever he wakes his little boy up, his little boy's called Ben, he says to Ben, Ben, what's special about Sunday? And Ben replies to him, Daddy, it's a day whenever we get pancakes. So this little boy knows that there's something special on Sunday. So for him, it's pancakes, but then Johnny, his dad, tries to explain to him, look, Ben, yes, it's a day that you get pancakes, but more importantly, it's a day that we get to come and worship Jesus, who is one rest for us and one it eternally. So as we wrap this up, here in Hill Street this morning, we want our Sabbath day to be a day like no other in the week, that you come here and that you grow in your love for Jesus so that you see this picture, that you claim this promise, that you implement this pattern, and that you embrace this priority. And then in our families, and our relationships in this place, we foster a culture where we go to church on Sunday, where we worship twice on a Sunday. We don't just squeeze church in. We don't just squeeze worship in. If church is a third and a fourth priority for you and for our parents, then it's hardly surprising that it would be a third and a fourth priority for our children. So what culture do we create in our homes and in our, in our families? Do we only come to church if it suits us? I trust that today as we leave this place that we will see worship on Sundays and the Lord's Day as worship and not a day of weariness. As gathering with God's people to worship at God's throne and to hear from his word as something that is essential. That it's a day of gladness and not a day of gloom. A day to come and worship and grow and breathe together and be nourished together as we look at the Sabbath that we stop and that we rest and that we enjoy God. A picture, a promise, a pattern, a priority, a feast in Eden and not a funeral in Egypt. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come before you And we thank you this morning for the reminder that we need to come and we need to worship you, Father. We need to have our hearts renewed and refreshed on this day, the day that you have set aside for us. You have made the Sabbath for us to point us forward to the things that are to come, to remind us of the things that you have done for us, Father, so that we can grow and be nourished and enjoy you to experience the greatest delight that we have in this world. Father, this morning for some of us here, we are burdened. We need rest. We have never come to you for rest. Father, this morning, your son calls us. Come on to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, for those in our meeting this morning that don't know you as Lord and Savior, may they come and find rest and know that they have rest forever and ever in you. And Father, for us, help us to rejoice, those of us who know you as Savior. Help us to rejoice for what your Son has won for us. 
He is Lord of the Sabbath. Help us to worship in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.